The next reading comes from Acts chapter 1, and it will be followed by uh, a section of Acts chapter 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then continuing in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visits, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Well, hey there. Uh, my name is Max Brewer, and uh, I'm one of the student ministers here at Mossman Village Church. If you joined us last week, you'll notice that here I am, ready for round two in our two-part mini-series titled After He 
rose. At Easter, we remember that Jesus died and rose again. But what happened after he rose? So last week and again this week, we're looking at two episodes in the life of Jesus after his resurrection. Well, last week we looked at John chapter 21 as Peter encounters the risen Jesus and we asked the question, what does Jesus think of me? As Peter returned to his old life, we saw that Jesus meets him with grace and restores, forgives and reinstates him. And parallel to that, we saw that the same is true for us who trust in Jesus. Jesus sees our circumstance, he sees our past and yet meets us with grace. Well, it is always an honour to open God's Word, and so I hope that you'll have your Bible open this morning, or this evening rather, as we learn from the Scriptures together. And if you haven't brought a physical Bible with you, then the next best thing I can offer you is a QR code on the screen that will take you directly to the three passages that we've just heard read to us. Well, has anyone seen the movie Yesterday. Have you seen the movie Yesterday? It's a 2019 film, a few people here. That's great. Well, if you haven't seen it, I'll give away no more than you would learn from watching the trailer. Uh, But go home and watch the movie. It's wonderful. I love it. It's such a feel-good movie. In the 2019 movie Yesterday, uh, it follows the story of a struggling musician called Jack Malik. He has a great voice but his songs that he writes are considerably average. So one day he gets knocked off his bike and he wakes up in an alternate universe where the Beatles never existed. The Beatles never existed and their songs have never been heard before, but Malik remembers all of the songs. He's been given this kind of special knowledge and so he knows their songs. Well, as he realises this, and you can probably imagine, in that single moment, Jack Malik goes from struggling muso to world-famous rock star. You see, it's a moment that changes everything. Well, as we look today at Jesus giving the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 1, we find ourselves on the cusp of Pentecost, which is one of those moments As Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, everything changes. So have your Bible open to the first two chapters of Acts as we look at the moment when Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. Well, as Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit, which we will slow up and look at more in just a few moments, the first thing that I want us to notice that will set up the rest of our look at the Holy Spirit this evening, is that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to all believers. If you've grown up in faithful churches, this might seem obvious, but it's so important that we remind ourselves of this truth, that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to all Christians, not just the spiritual elite or a select few, The Apostle Peter makes this very clear in Acts 2 from verse 38. 
It says this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for all who believe, not just first century Christians and experience for Christians back then, but not anymore. No, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to all Christians down all generations. This promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off. And that's important. Because what it means is that understanding the Holy Spirit is relevant to all of us here tonight. If you are a follower of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit has been given to you. And so it's worthwhile taking this time to understand what that means. Well, this evening, I really want to ask two questions. And the first question is, why? Why did Jesus give the Holy Spirit? Well, why do you think Jesus gave the Holy Spirit? Well, the first reason, which I think is really uh, a beautiful picture and reflects the loving character of our God, is that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit because Jesus wants to continue to be with his disciples. As Jesus' earthly ministry comes to a close, he spent Uh, His disciples have spent as much as three and a half years living with Jesus, walking with Jesus, listening to Jesus, and being led by Jesus. And so his imminent departure and ascension poses a problem of sorts. How will Jesus' followers continue to experience his presence? How will they continue to be led by Jesus and experience life together with Jesus. And that same problem was going to face future Christians as well, you and I. How will Jesus lead us if he is no longer with us? Well, the answer is found in Jesus' gifting of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit because he wants to continue to be with us. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit so that he could continue to be with his disciples. And not just them back then, but us today. You see, Acts very much frames the Holy Spirit in terms of Jesus' continued presence with his people. In chapter 1, verse 2, take a look. It says this, He, that is Jesus, was taken up to heaven. And then when the Holy Spirit descends in chapter 2... It says that the Holy Spirit comes like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven. Jesus goes up and the Spirit comes down. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus, but it is through the Holy Spirit that Jesus continues to be with his people as he rules and reigns from heaven over his church. And we see this purpose again in Acts 1 verse 1, Luke, the author of Acts, writes, 
In my, for, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The implication of these opening words is that what follows in the book of Acts, that is after Jesus' ascension and after his giving of the Spirit, is about all that Jesus continues to do and teach through the Holy Spirit. And so we see that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit because he wants to be with his disciples. And not just that, but Jesus gave the Holy Spirit because we need it to complete our mission. And that mission, as we will see, is to be Jesus' witnesses to the world around us. We know the Great Commission. Uh, Karen read a little bit or mentioned a bit of it before as well. But in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says to go and make disciples of every nation. Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 mirrors this famous verse, inviting us, even commanding us to be Jesus' witnesses. Take a look. It says this. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're going to come back to that mission of witnessing to Jesus. But notice with me first that Jesus says to wait. In Acts chapter 1 verse 3 it says this. On one occasion while he was eating with them he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem but Wait for the gift my Father promised, that is, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to wait. It's important that you have the Holy Spirit, he says, so wait. You see, Jesus is telling his disciples that they need the Holy Spirit before they can fulfill their mission to be his witnesses. That's what verse 8 is saying. Only once the Holy Spirit comes on them will they receive power so that they can be his witness. No spirit, no power. And no power, no witness. And the same is true for us. Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit because we need the Holy Spirit to complete our mission. To be witnesses to Jesus in the world around us. So Jesus gives his Holy Spirit to all believers. Why? Well, first we saw that it was for the sake of ongoing relationship with Jesus, but also that we need the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in the world. So that's why, but what about who? If Jesus has indeed given us the Holy Spirit, then what are we to make of this Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, my family and I have only been among you for a few months, and so I'm not entirely sure how you think about the Holy Spirit or about how you think the follower of Jesus should relate to the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? I, I know that in our wider circles of Sydney Anglicanism, I've heard people, only joking, but nevertheless, talk about the Trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Bible, as if the Holy Spirit has no place in our theology of God. 
if I can be so bold, can I say that is heresy? Jesus Christ has poured out the Holy Spirit, God himself, the third person of the Trinity. As the 39 Articles puts it, the Holy Spirit is very and eternal God. So take a look with me. Flip over to John chapter 16 and beginning at verse 7 and hear Jesus' words describing this Holy Spirit. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. In verse 7, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the advocate. In other translations, it says advocate or helper, also comforter or counsellor. The word here in the original Greek is parakletos, which has the sense of one who comes alongside to help, to guide, to comfort and to counsel. Someone once told me that when ships got into trouble on the Mediterranean Sea, they would send out a bigger ship to come alongside and to lead it to safety. That bigger ship was called the Parakletos. And so it is that the Holy Spirit is the advocate, the helper, the one who literally comes alongside the Christian believer, leading us safely in our walk with Jesus. When have you needed a comforter recently? When have you found yourself in need? In our times of struggle and difficulty, when life proves harder than we ever anticipated, the Holy Spirit has been given to us and will come alongside us. The Holy Spirit is also a person. Notice with me from the end of verse 7, we read this. Jesus says, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an it, the Holy Spirit is a person. Neither is the Holy Spirit an impersonal force, perhaps like the force in Star Wars, nor is it a kind of new age energy that we can tap into to fulfill our dreams and receive our desires. The Holy Spirit is a person, a person that we can relate to. The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit saying that he speaks, he makes decisions, he can be grieved and outraged. The Holy Spirit searches everything and knows God's thoughts. He appoints spiritual gifts. He helps us, intercedes for us and reminds us that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Verse 14, Jesus says, He will glorify me. But also notice in verse 13 that Jesus says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. 
The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is a guide. And where does he lead us? He leads us into all the truth, away from sin and into the truth. The truth of the gospel, the truth about Jesus and who he is. The Holy Spirit is our guide, our personal guide who will lead us, who will lead you into all the truth. And finally, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. In a connected thought, as the Spirit guides us into all the truth, He leads us away from untruth, away from lies, the deepest of which is sin and our rejection of God. Verse 8, take a look at it with me. It says that when He comes, He will prove the world to be wrong about sin. The world tells us that sin is okay. The world tells us that living apart from God is valid, even celebrated. And in view here is the world sort of out there. But it's not just the world, is it? As the Spirit leads us into all truth, He convicts us too of our sins. Not to condemn us, but to move us towards confession and repentance. And of course, the good news is that as the Spirit convicts us, He does so knowing that in Jesus Christ, we have the full forgiveness of all our sins. And so that is who the Holy Spirit is. Parakletos, the one who comes alongside. Not some kind of impersonal force, but a person, a guide, leading us into all the truth, and convicting us of our sins, moving us to repentance and back into relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I was in high school around year 10 and 11, and I would say that I was in the throes of working out what it really meant to follow Jesus. On a youth camp at the end of year 10, I gave my life to Jesus and committed to following him all the days of my life. But I was still working it out. And as I tried to follow Jesus and take his word seriously, in hindsight, I can see that I was self-righteous. In my mind, I was following all the rules. And so I looked down on others. Well, I remember this one particular moment in year 12. I was spending some time with a good Christian friend of mine talking about our walks with Jesus. And I remember that evening just being convicted of my sin. And I wept. Overwhelmed by my sin before God, I wept. It's definitely not always like that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And he will show us where we need to repent. And really, through that loving conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit led me deeper into the most comforting truth. That I am not righteous because of the things that I do. But that I stand before God, righteous in his eyes because of what Jesus has done and in spite of the things I do. Well, earlier I signaled that we would come back to the mission 
that Jesus has given to us. And so together, before we finish up, I want us to think more about that, our witness to the world around us. So as we return to Acts, to that verse, which I hope will stick with you uh, from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And right there, at the end of that verse, Mossman of sorts is included in the Bible, to the ends of the earth. Did you know that Mossman is over 14,000 kilometres from Jerusalem? In terms of cities with a population over one million people, Sydney is the second largest, uh, sorry, second furthest major city from Jerusalem. You see, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit in a very real sense so that the people in Mossman would know the good news about him. As we go about our day and actually witness to Jesus, as we go about our day and actually talk about Jesus, about church, about our faith and what we've been reading in the Bible, as we invite people along perhaps to Christianity Explained or offer to pray for them and then actually pray for them, perhaps even pray with them, as we do those things, we fulfill Jesus' command in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be witnesses to Jesus to the end of the earth. And you know, I want us to get really practical about this because sharing our faith, it doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to be difficult and scary. So can I tell you that I am a big believer in the power of simply being a visible Christian. By that, I mean that the people around you even just know that you are a Christian. This might seem like little league, and perhaps it is, but if you start there, God can use you in incredible ways. When I worked corporately, a good friend of mine who was also a Christian was working with me at CBA. Well, he encouraged me that on Monday mornings, when people would inevitably ask us, what did you do on the weekend? To start with, yesterday I went to church. And it works. Every week we would pray together for opportunities to share our faith with people. And then as Monday rolled around, me and my friend would simply tell people that we had been at church. And you would not believe the number of conversations that we had with our co-workers about life and faith and Jesus. It's only a place to start, but when you put up your hand and let people know that you follow Jesus, do not be surprised when he uses you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 10, it recalls the moment where Jesus has ascended into heaven and the disciples are standing, watching, and they're standing looking at the place where he left them. And in a moment reminiscent of the empty tomb, two angels appear and say, what are you doing standing looking at the sky? And the angels tell them to go. 
Let us not be like those disciples who simply stand and watch, but let us be the disciples who go. One of our mutual colleagues at CBA got to know the both of us relatively well. I wouldn't say that I had the most incredibly deep conversations with him about Jesus. I hadn't memorised a gospel presentation or walked him through two ways to live, those things being wonderful. But week in and week out, we showed up and were honest about being Christians and had our faith on our lips. When I left corporate work, we lost touch with him, uh, but I was so encouraged to hear recently that just last year he began following Jesus and that he had been baptised at his local church. Our Monday morning conversations did not save him. Jesus did. And no doubt many other people had other conversations and got alongside him to point him to Jesus. But let's start there with the simple conversation. Do the people in your life know that you are a Christian? Do you tell them about church, even about what you've been reading in your Bible? Another time I was on a short four-week secondment at work and every day me and my team would catch a train from the city into Sydney Olympic Park. And every morning I would open my Bible and I would read a verse from Proverbs to them. It's simple, but it started conversations about Jesus. Got to the point when each morning they'd get on the train with me and they would say, Max, what's the proverb for today? And so we'd read the proverb and we'd talk about it. And the great comfort of the Holy Spirit is that as we witness to Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us everything we need. The courage, the resources, the words to speak. The Holy Spirit gives us everything we need. So are you? Are you witnessing to Jesus? In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And as I pray this evening, I'd love for you to think of three people in your life who do not yet know Jesus. Some people call them non-Christians. I call them not yet Christians. Perhaps friends, family, co-workers, children, or the barista at your local coffee shop. Well, as you think of three people, and you have them in your mind, I'm going to pray that filled with the Holy Spirit, we might boldly share our faith with these people. And that God, in his mercy, might even use us to draw them to himself. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he is our guide, our comforter, our advocate, and our friend. By the power of the Holy Spirit, would you move us this week to be faithful witnesses to Jesus? We ask, Lord God, that you would use even our most humble efforts to point people to your Son and to bring people into relationship with you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.